the goody reader radio show my name is michael and uh, we have a lot of things to talk about today uh in the e-reader and uh, ebook industry uh as a whole uh first of all let's talk about something that we've reviewed lately the onyx book note 10.3 inch e-reader this has been probably one of the most popular devices that we've you know talked about over the course of about the last like six months and we just published our full hands-on review. So uh, we got the unit from Onyx. I believe we're the first North American outlet to actually do like a, you know, a written review, YouTube videos, unboxing review videos and things like that. Uh, give you my impressions. I mean, I think it's probably the best digital note-taking device on the market, though it's pretty expensive. It's like 599 US uh, quad core processor, like two gigs of RAM, uh, Bluetooth, a mic, USB-C. Um, yeah, I mean, you could hook up, like, if you're a musician, you could hook up, like, a foot pedal to it. You could hook up, like, a Bluetooth keyboard, uh, Beats wireless headphones, wireless, like, speakers, a 4,100 milliamp battery, Android 6.0. So this is probably one of the, I think this is the second Onyx model with Android 6.0. And what that really means is that, I mean, obviously, if you're like, oh, my smartphone has like eight or my smartphone has like seven. Well, smartphones and e-readers are different beasts altogether. Most e-readers have 4.04 or 4.4. So they have like really outdated versions of Android. And that's just because like the older versions of Android don't really need like a lot of things like GPS and cameras and accelerometers and gyroscopes, all those things e-readers traditionally don't have. Uh, with newer versions of Android, all those things are sort of baked into it. So it's kind of really hard for e-reader manufacturers to kind of pick and choose what they want. Onyx is a big company. They've been involved in the e-reader space for a really long time. So they have a developer team where a smaller companies they pretty well don't have they just don't have like the the people that they can hire to actually do a version like a higher version of android because you know a lot of the european brands and even some of the chinese brands i mean they just don't have like you know, th think about it, like, they're not selling hundreds of thousands of e-readers, they might sell a few thousand, 
um, you know, their profit margins may be in the neighborhood of like 50,000. If you're paying a developer to do Android and stuff like that, you're pretty well outlying 20 grand to like really kind of make that happen. And so you're really cutting into your profit margins. And a lot of users don't really even pay attention to the version of Android. They're just like, Hey, this has Google play or Hey, this has this and it has that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I rated the Onyx Book Note 9 out of 10. Uh, if you want to look at the front page of our website, and you'll see the Onyx review. If you're kind of listening to this a little late, just click on the review tab on goodyreader.com, and you'll see uh, the Onyx Book Note. We've attached the review video and the unboxing video to our review post, so you can watch, uh, you can read. Uh, there's a lot of comments. I believe it has like 50,000 reads in just like the first like few days of publication so uh people are digging it and uh, um in terms of other e-reader news sony digital paper which is also a digital note-taking device similar to the onyx note except this is 13.3 inches we've noticed and this is like an exclusive story that we broke is that for the longest time, Sony was designing and manufacturing these in Japan. So the original digital paper, DBTS-1, and then the DBTRP-1 uh, were designed and made in Japan. And now it looks like that Sony has outsourced the manufacturing to China. And this is very interesting because... Um, Nectronics is based in Taiwan, which is considered China. And Nectronics was the one that actually filed the FCC paperwork for the new uh, DBTCP1, which is um, an unknown Sony device that would just, you know, the, the paperwork was filed. It doesn't really give any specs or pictures. All that stuff is sort of embargoed for at least like six months from now. So we won't really know until the summertime, which is about the same time this will actually be released. And uh, it's it's unknown, but what's interesting is Netronics did it. So I believe that Netronics is manufacturing uh, the DPT, the digital paper, 13.3, in Taiwan now. Um, I don't have 100% confirmation, but I have reached out to E-Ink. I have reached out to Netronics. I've tried uh, reaching out to everyone I know, but everyone is, like, very quiet about this. Um, I don't really know why, but... Uh, say la vie. If you are a fan of larger screen e-readers, I actually received a very interesting email today uh, from... Inkbook, which is a company based in Poland. Let me just fire it up here. Uh, we're going to be launching an 8.6 and a 10.3 device, which will be quite competitive in the market. And uh, yeah, that other than that, I've asked them, like, what are the specs? What are the release dates? What are the prices? I've never seen an 8.6 device ever before. I believe Icarus released an 8-inch e-reader years ago. And for the 10.3 segment, I mean, the Onyx Book Note, the Remarkable, those are the only two. Uh, perhaps the Sony DBT-CP1 will be 10.3 inches. It's speculation on my part, but it does make sense. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be more people competing in this 10.3-inch space. And uh, the big differences between the 10.3 and 13.3 is that 10.3s tend to be a little bit more lightweight smaller footprint uh, easier to carry I actually received a few emails lately about from people like in uh, academia um you know people that are 
PhD studies, uh, things like that. And they're like, you know, should I buy the Sony digital paper? Should I buy the Onyx book note? What do you recommend? And I, I just basically simplify it. It's like, a 13.3 makes sense if, like, you're leaving it at work. Um, it's like a work device. It's an extension of your work life. But if you're bringing it from your home to work and stuff every day, you probably want something a little bit more smaller. 10.3 inches is a really dramatically smaller than like it's uh, 13.3 but at the same time i noticed that at least with the remarkable non book note it fits in a messenger bag fits in your briefcase easy it fits it like in your backpack whatever the type of bag that you're bringing with you whether you're a female or a male i mean everyone sort of has their carrying case that they bring with them to work and i think that 10.3 is easily portable uh 13.3 is better overall but you don't want to like always be bringing it to and from uh like work and stuff like that every day um if you are a kindle user and you are on ios amazon just uh implemented infinite scrolling uh on the iphone and ipad so um this has sort of been a feature that people have wanted for a long time you pretty well scroll down and to turn or scroll up to turn the page down so instead of having to just flip the page by tapping like the side of the screen which has been relatively the only way that you could ever turn pages both on a kindle e-reader and a kindle apps for uh, android and ios at least for the ipad now you can scroll so there's an option in the settings menu <coughs> Uh, there's actually dictionaries for Arabic and stuff too. Amazon's been pretty bullish about uh, Arabic type stuff uh, nowadays. Um, in other Amazon news, Amazon is bringing back the cases that they made um, for the Kindle Oasis 2. Uh, initially, they when the Kindle Oasis 2 was released last year, Amazon had official cases, but there was a lot of negativity about uh, this device. Or the cases, I mean, weak magnets, uh, the kickstand that allowed you to uh, have the e-reader like sitting on your desk or sitting like on a thing while you read it, um, that was weak. So there was like thousands of one-star reviews. So Amazon pulled it and they were uh, recommending case spot cases. It looks like that Amazon is going to be releasing new cases pretty soon. Uh, leather case, $59. Fabric version, $49. There was uh, staging posts that were up that we linked to, but I guess when we broke the story, Amazon removed them. So uh, they're not up anymore, but at least we do know that Amazon is releasing V2 cases for the, the Oasis and stuff like that, um, which is, I guess, good for them because cases and accessories are especially like in the e-reader world and, and in the phone and tablet world too. I mean, the margins on accessories are absolutely huge. You know, if Amazon's selling a leather case for 59, it probably costs them like nine bucks, maybe 12 bucks to make. And so they're making like a $30 plus profit. And that's usually the profit margin with accessories with e-readers and hard hardware. The, you know, unless you're like an Apple or something like that, the, the margins aren't hardware aren't too big do you borrow books from a library a lot of people do and uh, overdrive is the largest company involved uh in the digital library space sorry about those noises my phones were wreaking havoc um 
Overdrive has said that they have loaned out over 1 billion books. That is huge numbers, folks. Um, so this is a far cry from 1 million loans in 2007 and 100 million loans in 2012. They've loaned out a billion books worldwide. Um, you know, this rapid takeoff of digital reading can be attributed to a variety of factors, including broad adoption of mobile apps and industry standard uh, ebook and audiobook formats. Um, you know, they have Libby, they have, um, they're the only company that has a, a license with Amazon where books can be delivered automatically to your Kindle e-reader, but only in the United States. It doesn't really work in outside markets, which kind of sucks because I wonder why, like, uh, in Can I guess, I mean, I know why, like, Overdrive is based in the U.S. It's easy for them to forge U.S. relationships. Um, I live in Canada, and I'm like, why is it in Canada? Then I think, well, you know, we only have like 10 million people, you know, here. And although almost the vast majority, like 70% of the population, like lives in, you know, cities close to the U.S. border, like Vancouver, Winnipeg, Toronto, um, you know, places like that that are almost like hugging the border. But at the same time, it's you look at the U.S. population versus the American population. It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of realize why it sucks for me. But whatevs. Um, speaking about Libby, this is sort of like the latest app that Overdrive has released. If you've never tried it out, it's actually designed really, really well. Um, it's primarily geared towards ebooks and audiobooks only with a special emphasis on uh, audiobooks has a great audiobook player um the the normal overdrive app i found at least is a little bit convoluted just because overdrive over the years have like they've done like videos and like comics and like all this stuff and it's like they're kind of straying away from like what people go to the library for. They go to the library to borrow ebooks, to, to borrow books. Uh, digitally, they borrow books. I mean, one billion books loaned. It's not like one billion videos watched or one billion audiobooks loaned out. It's 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 books. So Libby's sort of geared towards that. But I find that their audiobook player is deadly. But um, they do have. An ability for you to register for a digital library card right in the app which is awesome because up until like a few months ago if you wanted to borrow ebooks from a library you had to visit the branch give them id get a library card get a you know your four digit digital pin card uh and you could only borrow books from that specific branch if you wanted to like go to another branch you had to like you know uh apply for another card unless those branches were like a part of like a consortium or something like that. Now, um, you know, saying Canada, I live in Vancouver, so I could go to like, uh, open up the Libby app, go to like the, like the main branch of the Vancouver public library, you know, downtown in, in a few minutes, apply for a card. They send me like an SMS, te a text message. I just like click okay. And that's basically it. I mean, with, with digital, there's no, they don't really need like 
driver's licenses and like all this stuff because there's no late fees with ebooks. Like if I borrow a book, I have like a maximum. It, the libraries themselves determine the maximum loan time, but I believe like it's two weeks is like the standard. After two weeks, the book is removed from your device and put back into the library pool. So there's you know it's the same with audiobooks too. So there's no late charges. So you don't need a credit card uh, with them. You don't need like all this like ID like you would like um a normal card and so for people who want to borrow books digitally it kind of makes sense that you can get a digital card directly like in the app and i hopefully that becomes more of a thing i mean overdrive is obviously the industry leader with ebooks and audiobook loans but there is other companies like uh baker and taylor uh rb digital which is the new uh recorded books consortium with like audiobooks.com and a lot of other like retailers then um there's like the 3m cloud library which is known as like bibliotechlia now i think they got bought out um yeah, there's a lot of people in the space, but I mean, Overdrive is the only company that allows you to borrow ebooks uh, or to get a card directly with an app. But I hopefully that becomes like more of a thing, uh, like in the near future. So uh, that's about it. Uh, in terms of a big story that we broke is audiobook scammers, and we've talked. Uh, I talked a little bit about audiobooks in relation to like Overdrive and stuff like that, but. I kind of found a new scam. It has to do with Audible and it has to do with eBay. And people are selling accounts with credits in them where you can buy like two credits for a few dollars, 36 credits for $38. And um, here's how it works. A scammer will open up an Audible account and attach a credit card. They'll order a bunch of credits and then remove the card because Audible does not bill an account until the first credit is used. So the scammer will then sell the account on eBay for a net profit. Um, so when you buy an account for the first time, the seller will give you a login and password uh, for the Audible account and an email address that was used to register the account. Um, when the account details have been transferred to you, Audible will ask for a PIN number when you log into it for the first time. And scammers will often use disposable accounts like Hotmail, Gmail, Yahoo, etc. And uh, the PIN number will be sent to that email account, which you get when you buy the Audible account. Uh, once you enter the PIN number, you will have access to a bunch of credits. Now, why would you actually do this? Well, audiobooks are pretty expensive. If you wanted to buy them retail, they range in price from $26 to $42 each. Audible charges $14 a month for one credit. $22 a month for two credits, $149 for 12 credits per year, or $229 for 24 credits. If you are on a one-month subscription and you use your credit and you're like, well, I want to buy a few more audiobooks, well, you can get them on an a la carte basis, but they cost $35 uh, each eBay scammers are charging $69 for 72 credits. You would have to subscribe to Audible for three years to get this many audiobooks and legitimately spend $687. <laughs> so, I mean, would you rather spend $687 to get 72 credits or spend like $40 or $50? The only downside on the scam is you do not want to attach a credit card to it because once you attach your own credit card to this account that you bought at eBay, Audible will charge you for the full amount of credits because the scammer didn't actually pay for them. So it's 
it's an interesting loophole in the Audible system that allows people to kind of do this on eBay. So if you're a hardcore audiobook user, I mean, <laughs> as much as I don't endorse policy, I mean, holy crap, that this is like a tremendous deal. But, you know, you can't transfer credits from this account to your main account. Audible last year closed the loophole that allowed you to do that. So you'll have to like buy an account, use all the credits, buy another account, use up all the credits. But I mean, you're saving so much money, it's actually crazy. And there's really nothing that Audible could do with the scam. They can't police all accounts with lots of credits that are stagnant for a while and suddenly become active. Uh, there's no way for them to know what accounts are part of the scam network since scammers do not divulge the account name and password unless they're paid. Um, the only thing that they could do is basically petition eBay. You know, blacklist any keyword that has to do with Audible, uh, ban specific accounts with like lots of feedback because obviously um, the, the scammers that do the most business have the most feedback and so they get the most business because they have a lot of feedback. So if they constantly are getting banned from the platform, you're sort of dealing with people with like zero feedback, one feedback, and uh, users don't really have a lot of trust with people like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Audible has their hands tied with this and I'd like to see them do something about it, but what could they really do? I mean, I, I don't think that they could like do very much uh, in regards to this. So this has been another exciting edition of the Goody Reader Radio Show. Hopefully you've liked it. This is our second show in about a, a week and a half. So we're going to continue with this and just kind of run down things that we've, the top stories on our website, as well as things we've reviewed lately, uh, in addition to you know, zero day news that I haven't even written about yet just because I'm waiting like on more details and, and, and things like that. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Michael and everybody take care.